Hello, Bulldogs. Thank you for tuning in to Who's Behind the Bulldog, Arvada High School's community interview podcast series. I'm your host and one of the assistant principals at Arvada, Jeremy Jensen. Each week, I'll sit down with someone from our Arvada community, be it staff, students, families, or other community members, to hear their stories. We'll discuss their histories, successes, challenges, learnings, future hopes and dreams, and much more. I hope you find some connections in their stories and hopefully are inspired to take some time to get to know them a bit better as our school year progresses. We have an amazing community here at Arvada, and I hope we can continue to strengthen that despite the challenges that await us in these unknown times. That was Ode to Joy, as performed by former students of Arvada's new band director, Justin Elks, this week's guest on Who's Behind the Bulldog. Justin teaches jazz band, piano, orchestra, guitar, and concert band. He's also getting the marching band and pep bands rolling again. In our conversation, Justin discusses how he's making band work in our world of COVID, including marching band and pep band, as well as figuring out how to do band remotely. He talks about how he instills fun and excitement into his classes and likes to focus on the whole child and show his own human side in forming relationships. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to this week's episode of Who's Behind the Bulldog. What's wrong, Ivy? Thanks for uh, joining me today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um... I don't think I've had a conversation with you yet, so. I don't think so either. <laughs> um, so tell, uh, tell me about yourself. Um, what brought you into education? Um, what brought me to education was my high school percussion instructor. So when I was a junior in high school, I started to think about like, you know, what my career was going to be and, I was leaning, I was leaning towards maybe um, some kind of uh, engineering of some kind, just for the fact that that's what my dad did in life, or um, potentially doing something else. And my high school percussion instructor um, was a huge um, mentor for me. And so I loved the way he spoke to students. I loved the way that he handled situations. Um, His talent level was through the roof. Uh, and I ended up doing almost almost the same kind of pathway he went. So I went and got my bachelor's degree in music education, and then I got my master's in percussion performance, and then I went into teaching. And that's the same pathway that he took to get his. And I'm still friends with him to this day, and we talk every so often, just miscellaneous things here and there. So that's that's pretty much how I ended up in here. He still kind of continues to be a mentor for you? Yeah. Yeah, we don't, we don't talk every day, maybe even not every couple of months, but we definitely um, interact, you know, send, mess- send a message through Facebook or something like that every so often to keep in touch. That's nice. Yeah. Um, where were you before Arvada? What brought you to Arvada? So I was in, this is my 11th year of teaching overall, and I was at Alameda High School for five years, you know, just down the road. 
before that, I was in Clear Creek County, just up Idaho Springs, doing um, K through six general music and beginning band, and then assisting at the high school whenever I got a chance. And then I was one year, my first year of teaching was in Cripple Creek, Colorado, which is uh, a lot of people don't know where that is, but you go down to the Springs and take an hour over Pikes Peak. That's uh, Cripple Creek, Colorado. It's really absolutely gorgeous country, but um, I was the K-12. I taught everything music. I was the, the only person for the 400, 200? I think it was 200 students for the whole district. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really tiny. Did you spend a lot of your money on the poker tournaments? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't make enough money to do it. <laughs> As a first-year teacher, well, an you could, have tri- you could have tripled that money, man. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't take the chance, man. <laughs> the pay was so awful, uh, I couldn't take the chance. So I only ended up being there one year just because I had to get out because I couldn't support myself. Mm-hmm. Really great administration over there and everything. They loved me being there, but I just I couldn't afford to live being there. So I had to leave. Um, and then Arvada specifically, uh, I've been in Alameda for five years, um, competing against Arvada in winter percussion and marching band and, um, foot, we see each other in football and basketball and all these sports and, um, knew the program already from these competitions, knew where it was, knew what it could be. Uh, I'd actually been in the building several times for different events that Arvada hosted. So... I had a pretty good connection to it. And um, when it's, it came up, it was a little bit of a debate on going for it only because it doubled my commute. That was literally the only downside to it. And after my wife and I discussed it, like, if that's the only bad thing, like we should definitely be pursuing it. And so you went from three minutes to six minutes or <laughs> I went from uh, 15 to 30. Okay. That is substantial. Yeah, so in um, 30 minutes on I-70, which is tough. Yeah. Hope you like podcasts. This is uh, this is one that you could maybe tune into on your drive. That's true. Very true. <laughs> Start <laughs> downloading them. <laughs> uh, so what are some things, Justin, that you're proud of in uh, recent uh, band teaching instruction? Uh, I was really, you know, in general, quite happy with the progress that Alameda was making. Um, it was slow, but steady. Uh, I mostly, my, my primary duties were middle school band and orchestra because Alameda is a 712. So I was very proud of my numbers and the commitment that I had for my students over those years that I was there. And then the marching band, I was the assistant for the marching band and made, we made some pretty good success. You know, we caught up to our Vata in many instances and, um, we also brought, you know, I, I brought back the winter percussion. We did it three of the five years that I was there. And we, we had a lot of really great success this past season before everything got shut down. So it was really disappointing because we were, you know, mid-season, maybe the first third of the season, I guess you'd say, for winter percussion when everything fell apart. And it was, uh, it was disappointing because we had a chance to really do something amazing this past year. So... But overall, I, I like the steady progress that we were making over there. Talking about engaging your kids and, and maybe even like recruiting, um, you know, get people interested in bands. Um, what are some things that you found uh, work for you? What do you like to do to keep those kids engaged in, in your courses? 
Yeah, my number one thing is making connections. The students got to be bought in to whatever it is they're doing. And if they're not bought in, they're, they're just going to walk. So I always do, the, the number one thing I do is make connections with the students on whatever, whatever level we can make that happen, whether it's day-to-day -day conversation, how's it going, finding interests that, I have a lot of interests in life, I love video games, I love the outdoors, I love sports, I love music. So I have a lot of different avenues to, to talk with these students and hang in their conversations. And, you know, just, I, I like to be a little goofy and a little silly sometimes, but the students learn quickly, like, where's the line? Like, we can be goofy together, but we, we have a goal and we, we accomplish that goal. But we accomplish that goal while having fun. You know, and, and the students understand, like, one of the big things I wanted to know is that I'm a human too. I'm not just this mister <laughs> that I'm standing in front of the class. Like, I'm a human being. I have feelings and emotions and I have life that happens and I have positives and negatives that are going down and I'm going to have bad days just like they're going to have bad days. And those connections help them get through it while still learning everything they need to learn about music and and loving every minute of it if possible. That's awesome. Just kind of role modeling um, the vulnerability of being human and saying like, hey, life is more than just this class and there's a lot more that I care about about you besides just what you're doing when it comes to your instruments, right? Yeah, exactly right. You know, I, I, I do like the model that Arvada has about um, educating the whole child, you know, and, and every school's doing that, of course, but that's on our forefront here at Arvada. And I really like the idea. I don't just sit there and teach them music. I'm going to teach them all kinds of life skills and problem solving and maybe silly facts along the way. There's always a fun fact to learn at some point. You're never, you're never done learning. You're always, you're always trying to better yourself and I'm trying to instill that in them as well. I'm not trying to make band directors, right? My job is not to make hundreds of band directors out there in the world. My job is to make individuals who love music Maybe they're going to go be a billionaire um, at, uh, tech tycoon. Maybe they're going to go off and be a sports star, but they're going to go, hey, I played in band that one time and make a connection with somebody else and just keep that ball rolling for the rest of their life. Uh, different for our Vada students, but not different for me. Uh, one of the things that I started a few years back was just every February, March concert was a chamber ensemble concert. So basically that just means small groups of students that are um, student-led groups. And so that's a newer concept for Arvada, but uh, it fit perfectly for the beginning of the school year. We're under so many restrictions right now on how we can play, when we can play, how many people can do it, at what point and what size room, and is the air conditioning on? And <laughs> it's endless, right, our restrictions. And the chamber ensemble thing fit perfectly into that model because we're using smaller amounts of individuals. Uh, our class sizes are smaller thanks to the hybrid and it bodes really well to fit into this project that I like, well, we were going to do this in February, March, no matter what. So all we're doing is shifting and doing the beginning of the year. And it fits perfectly with, again, Arvada's model with that agency factor of the students taking the initiative to make the learning connections. And it's, it's the same, Oh, I forget the phrase, um, old dog, new tricks kind of thing, but it's the same, it's the same thing, different hat or whatever. Mm -hmm. We're doing the same thing just with a new word in front of it, like agency, mm -hmm. but 
it's still student-driven, student-led, project-based learning, and I'm just a facilitator and making sure that they know the right aspects to go for it and making sure that they're enjoying it while they do it. Well, way to make our situation um, work. <laughs> uh, I know, like you said, there's restrictions are endless. It's um, something seems like new every day, every week. Yeah. Um, but thanks for making lemons, lemonade out of lemons, right? <laughs> yeah, we're trying, man. Mm -hmm. um, talk to me a little bit about equity. Um, how do you make sure that you know, you're providing the most equitable education for, for everyone? Uh, and this is something I know it, it, you know, you put it in the questions here, it's a huge buzzword right now in education, but you know, that's something that Alameda um, really had fought with for years. Um, being be, Alameda and Jefferson, right? They're, they're kind of the low end of the totem pole sometimes, which is extremely unfortunate and sometimes forgotten. And equity was really coming out with these guys, especially with the last uh, bond the mill levy stuff that came out and, and um, Alameda's finally getting a new building, for example, like it's way past due. The building was crumbling. And so, you know, we had lots of discussions about it and trying to make sure that our students um, and not just Alameda are about it as well. Excuse me. It's trying to make sure they have the same opportunities that other people have. And it might look slightly different for us, but we're still gonna have those same opportunities, whether it's a contest festival, a marching band going to um, um, competitions, um, attending the, the football games, basketball games, um, getting instrument repairs, getting new instruments in their hands, making sure that everybody has instruments to play. That's part of that equity piece. Um, if they're gonna be in band, we gotta have instruments for them to be in band, you know? Um, I don't like to give individual students special treatments. Everybody's equal in my eyes. Uh, if, unless earned, I guess I should say, I've got a leadership team for marching band, right? I've got four individuals who I rely on as my leaders. They've been elected um, officials, if you will, to lead the marching band. So I lean on them because I'm like, you guys have the position of, of authority and leadership here. You're the ones who are going to help this, but they're going to help facilitate down and make sure that the students all get it and help each other out. So I'm a huge advocate for the program, for my music programs, and very passionate about it and not afraid to ask for things, not afraid to knock on Gina's door and say, hey, we need this money to do this thing. And here's the reasons why. So doing everything I can to advocate for these students. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the biggest hurdle for that and how do you overcome that big, the biggest hurdle? Oh man, the biggest hurdle is, is uh, dragging the students along with me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can be very passionate about our program and, you know, I want every student to be as passionate as I am, you know, and, and not everybody is. Some people are there for the camaraderie. Some people are there because they like playing their one particular instrument. Um, some are there because they love every aspect of it. So it's getting them amped up and, um, the buy-in, making sure that they understand that, no, 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 this isn't Elks' program. This is your program. We're going to do this together. And just really getting them amped up and fired up to, to uh, kind of, I don't know, lack of better term, just fight these battles with me in a positive way. That's awesome. Um, remote band 
is that something that's possible? <laughs> what are you doing to make band work remotely right now? Man, it is tough. It is tough. And every other Friday, every third Friday, we have this discussion as an entire um, high school instrumental team in the district. So all the high school instrumental teachers get together every other third Friday and we have this exact discussion and we beg, borrow and steal from each other and what works, what doesn't work, what did you see here, what didn't you see there and um, unfortunately with the remote side it's mostly musical music theory you know instead of instead of um, I press this finger down and make this beautiful sound it's why am I pressing this finger down at this time in space so not producing the pitch but why is this going down and it's really great but it's like your vitamins and vegetables it's good for you but not everybody wants to eat that and, and do that every single time Mm-hmm. So it's finding a healthy balance of here's your vegetables, your music theory, and here's our actual producing sound and making music together. And the, it's a tough cheeseburger. balance. Yeah, here's the cheeseburger, <laughs> uh, but here's the tomato and they need to go on it as well. Or here's your side salad, I should say. Um, no French fries. You got to have the side salad. Um, and I'm not going to lie, it's tough. And I was open and honest with the kids immediately, immediately, day one, guys we're learning together. Like we're going to run into problems. I'm going to make a mistake. If you're patient with me, I'm patient with you. We're going to get through this. And they went, Oh yeah, we can do that. And boy, have they been patient. (laughs) They, they said just this morning, man, I messed up just this morning. I, I went and posted all my assignments for asynchronous on echo and forgot to click the little box that allows them to make submissions. So they're like, they're all patiently emailing me. Hey, Mr. Alex, I can't submit the file you asked for. So I'm attaching it in this email. So you know that you have it, but can you fix it for us as well? And I was like, man, that's just, that's amazing. They just were so kind about it. It worked so well. We've got awesome kids. Like, yeah, Yeah, it's so nice. And it's nice to hear that you have a supportive community of other people that are sort of going through the same thing when it comes to how do I really make this work? Um, So at least there's solace in the fact that there's other people out there who are also struggling with all these um, ways to make it work, right? Yeah. And so, you know, it might be isolated in the building in terms of like the instrumental side, but we have a huge supportive community that I can reach out to at any time. And I do, you know, whether it's the meeting or a quick email with somebody um, or vice versa, somebody emailing me about a certain assignment is you're right. It's super nice to have that support. Um, what are you excited about being at Arvada for this upcoming year? Yeah. And, and God, being this year so different um, right now, it's, it's marching band, you know, like that's the most exciting thing going on right now. It's this uh, marching band or pep band. Um, you know, I've gone around and, and talked to as many people as possible about what this season's going to look like. You know, I sat down with Dan Q, Mark, Mark and I, of course, are talking every day, um, caught up with the football coaches, caught up with the cheerleading coach, like just trying to see, Hey, what are your thoughts and opinions? Like, how can I help support you in, in football? Cause we're going right. We're going, we're going to have a great time. We're going to play some music. We're going to be in our uniforms. The kids are all worked up about it, man. They're excited about it. And um, I think everybody so far, I mean, everyone's super supportive, man. They're stoked that the band's going to be there and be making some noise. 
And, you know, it was one of those things like before we got the, the, the announcement, it was like, all right, well, band is fun and we're out there and we're playing and hour and a half is done. Let's go home. But now it's like, whoa, we're doing marching band. This is great. I love it. Let's do something. And like the kids are like, yeah, let's play. Uh, so that collaboration piece with all the coaches and, and the sports is going to be amazing. Um, theater, uh, Mr. Mathis and I have got um, kind of some plans in the works coming up, which is really super cool. I, won't, I don't want to give anything away just yet. Are you planning to embed anything, any projects or anything sort of different than maybe what you've done before? So we, we've got a few ideas tossed around about um, some really cool collaboration pieces between um, the instrumental side, band orchestra, and, and the, some of the theater productions. So it's uh, awesome. I mean, yeah. instill the fun, instill the excitement. Like uh, kids are craving it right now. Um, they're ready, and hopefully, if anything, will positive, you know, happens from COVID. It's the situation of like, okay, I, I kind of appreciate things a little bit differently than I might have had it been just, you know, quote unquote, a normal year. Yeah, yeah, for real. Like that's a really good way of putting it. Just a different approach and a different appreciation for it. For sure. Um, anything you're kind of working towards professionally, um, instructionally this year that you want to try to focus on, hone in on? Yeah, I realized it took me way too long to realize this point, and then I shared it with the students. And it's, I only see the students live once a week, basically, right? And typically, in a normal year, you see them at least twice, maybe three times. For example, on Monday, I'll have a jazz band. And I'm like, all right, we're going to play jazz band. Here's some sheet music. Just take a look at it. And then I'm like, all right, I'll make copies for you next class. Next class isn't Wednesday. Next class is a week from now. But, but how do I keep you playing if I don't see you for seven days? And so, like, really, really, like, I like to pre-plan, but it's at a new level of pre-planning. Like it's a whole new level of pre-planning that I have never seen before. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I, if I make one small mistake and like, ah, I missed that tube apart. Like I was scanning, you know, I was copying 600 pieces of music today and I missed one tube apart. I'll get you tomorrow. No, if I miss one tube apart, you don't get it for a week, you know, and that's tough. Yeah. So that's my professional goal is to recognize some of those, um, smaller problems ahead of time, double checking myself, going back through and counting all the papers, for example, and, and fixing that quicker. I am, I am scanning things. I didn't realize quickly, scan it in real fast, get a digital copy, get them a PDF on echo. So they have something mm -hmm. and they can, they can at least read it. It's not the best choice, but if they can at least see it. Then when they come back to class, they're not dead in the water and I have a paper copy for them and they're caught, they're just ready to go. Yeah, at least we have some tech things coming like in our favor right now. Like, had this happened twenty years ago, like, what would what would this look like? Right. I thought about that too. Like, I graduated high school in two thousand three, and I was like, man, if this had happened when I was in high school, two thousand three, if this had happened when I was in high school, there wouldn't be school. Like, what? Mm -hmm. I mean, they would have sent me home with packets of paper. Like, it would have been absurd compared to nowadays. Yeah. And then again, the other side, 20 years from now, was this the new norm or is there uh what will the tech look like then? But yeah, for sure. That's, that's a different podcast, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> what has been your 
best failure? Man, I have thought about this all day. Like this is the one question I have gone back and forth and back and forth and hit delete and type delete. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with my very first one that I came up with and it's going to sound really weird at first. So hang with me. Um, being a father and I'm a father of two, both planned. They weren't accidents or anything like that. So I was prepared mentally, but I wasn't prepared. You, no one's prepared to be a parent, right? Nobody truly knows what it's like to be a parent until you're a parent. You can read all the books. You can watch all the TV shows. You can listen to all the podcasts. You can go to all the baby uh, websites. You can see your friends have babies. You can talk to your parents. No one knows what they're doing, right? And I, and I hate to put it in that, 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 that uh, idea of failure, but I mean, you've, the only way you succeed as a parent is sometimes you fail you fail miserably and you make poor choices because you didn't know any better. And those babies and those children, boy, will they call you out on it so fast. And anything from calling you out could be crying to when they get older, they just like call you out on it, on your mistakes, you know, when they, when they can be vocal, uh, any of that stuff. Um, you, you find out very quickly what, what to do and what not to do. And by the time you get the second child, you're basically a pro but that first one, man. So I told you it sounds weird, but it'd catch up. No, I'm taking notes. We're in the process of adopting uh, an infant. So, um, Oh, that's awesome. I'll have to reach out to find your advice so that I don't make all the same mistakes. And and it's one of those things, like you said, I mean, you got to fail forward (laughs) and it doesn't matter how many times somebody next to you says it, it means nothing until you hold that little baby in your hand and go, Oh crap. What have I done? <laughs> yeah. And I, my husband likes to do all the reading of all the books and yeah. um, I'm just like, this won't help me. <laughs> like what's going to help me is when I figure it out on my own on myself. So, uh, so I'm, I, I, I definitely relate to what you said and I'm looking forward to the experience. And, oh, and it is the most terrifyingly joyous occasion ever. You know, it's, it's, it's brings tears to your eyes thinking about it. But then once this thing is in your hand and it's lovely and beautiful and you're like, why is it crying? <laughs> I, I have done everything. It is three o'clock in the morning. I don't know what to do anymore. And at some point you just, it clicks and you figure it out and you don't figure it out until you make a mistake. And the big, which leads me, I guess, into the next thing for advice, uh, especially with that one with upcoming new dad here uh, is, is just, patience with that one because it is hard that that particular area is is patience um when it comes to education which honestly being a father put a whole new spin on being a teacher um especially from teaching elementary school you know i i had um kindergartners come in and um trying to trying to educate these guys and you realize quickly like kindergartners five-year-olds they don't have to stand in a line and why don't you know how to stand in line? No one's ever taught them how to stand in a line. That is not an innate uh, uh, a thing in your life, standing in lines. You get taught that at school. And not until you have a child, like when it was for me, when I, until I had my, like now my kids in first grade. And so when he was getting to that kindergarten age, I'm like, oh, it finally makes sense. Like 
that finally makes sense to my teaching days. Like why these things happen the way they happen. It's just, just part of their development. It's just what they do. And you gotta, you gotta be able to let go of the things you can't control. And you can't control, you can't control little babies and you can't control little kids. You can't, they're not always going to stand in line. You can't always get them to get their fingers out of their nose. You're not going to be able to always keep the, every single high schooler from dropping an F-bomb on accident. You know, like it's one of those things you, you got to let go of the things you can't control and, and focus on the, your hills to die on. Focus on the things that you can make a difference in. Something that's going to make a positive difference for you, your mental health, your well-being, your programs, that kind of stuff. Like that's what you got to focus on is my advice to, to colleagues, parents, et cetera, is focus on the things you can change. Let everything else go because all it's going to do is eat you up inside and you're never going to be able to move on with your life. That's awesome advice. And I'm definitely going to have uh, my husband listen to this particular podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Uh, so Justin, thank you so much for your time here today. It was um, awesome to connect with you for the first time in this like totally bizarre beginning of the school year. Sorry, I haven't been able to connect um, already too much, but um, really uh, excited to have you on board. Uh, welcome to the Bulldog family. Um, I feel like it's a, a great fit and we're so fortunate to have you. Well, I appreciate it, Jeremy. It's been it's been a whirlwind of a month for sure. Uh, and I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited to be here and to be a bulldog. And, you know, the first day I, first day I got in the, the office, I, I came in with an Alameda shirt on purpose, uh, but I'd also come from a meeting over there and I got three new shirts this, that day, right? Three <laughs> Arvada shirts that day um, to make sure I was bought in. I was already bought in <laughs> and it's been, it's been so supportive. The administration, you guys have just been phenomenal with, uh, communicating to me and asking me questions on how the program should be run and trusting me that that um, that I'm going to make great choices for the program and, and the students best interest and it's been a it's been a really positive start in in all the weirdness like you said in all the bizarreness that is 2020 um, this was by far one of the best things that's happened to me this year so um, I appreciate Arvada and I appreciate you guys so far thanks that's, that's so good to hear and I look forward to 2021 Thank you all for tuning into today's podcast. I want to encourage you to take a minute to reach out to today's guest and make a personal connection. Until next time, this has been Jeremy Jensen with Who's Behind the Bulldog.